Welcome to OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This podcast is designed to help with your recovery from any mental issue you are up against. The show strives to give you information that really, for real, works. The podcast interviews real people that have recovered or are managing their mental health. We also talk to people that offer suggestions and coping mechanisms you may want to try. Bob Adelman, the host of OTR, shares his 50 years of struggles with mental illness and the techniques of recovery. He is still on his journey, as you can hear in the episode called Perfect Storm Fighting Demons. So help him fight this monster called mental illness and the stigma that goes with it. Wow, great new intro. Thanks, Amanda. Hi, this is Bob Adelman. You're at OTR, Achieving Mental Health for Real. We finally made it to Season 6. And it's going to be a good one. We've got a lot of good shows. We've got two in the other right now. And it's great to be back. I had a little bit of few problems physically, uh, nothing serious, so it's just really good to be back making new shows. Today's episode is Perfect Storm, Fighting Demons. So what is a perfect storm? It's when a lot of unusual circumstances happen and creates usually disastrous event. Normally, it ends badly. <laughs> So I'm going to use this idea to show how all my different issues came together in the right family with the right siblings to create a perfect storm which caused depression and anxiety for me over my lifetime. So now I'm in a much better place and hopefully I'll stay there. So so who are the demons? Well, I think they are the voices in your head that tell you you can't do things or just bad thoughts. So the way to fight the demons is to stop the thought and then transfer it over to a a more pleasant thought. Dr. Gigi Langer, author of 50 Ways to Worry Less Now, calls them whispered lies as they whisper into your ear. For attention. Ten of these techniques are in my two shows, 50 Ways to Worry Less Now, and also I have Now or. So she talks about the first top ten techniques. A very long time ago, I was born in a small town in New Jersey. As a child, I kept to myself. I really didn't like talking to anyone in authority. I always had a hard time talking because I forget words, I slur words. Uh, I later came to discover that it's a condition called Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. Some people call it ADD. I don't think it's a requirement to be hyperactive. But I found this condition as a big hindrance when I talk in a group or to an authority figure when I was young. 
for all the ADH people out there, I don't know what symptoms you have. I know mine are bad. Just keep on trying to accept it and don't think of it as a handicap. Think of it as, think of it as a gift because you're able to see things that other people cannot. There are medicines for it, like Ritalin, so you may have success with that. I did not. I tried different medicines, and I couldn't tolerate them. They made me nervous, and I have a anxiety issue, so it aggravated that. So this is the first demon that I have to overcome and get a hold of. I don't think I am 100%, but I'm much better than I used to be. Um, the second one developed in second grade. I got something called dyslexia. And what it is is that you kind of scramble words, and coming from your head to the paper, it just turns out differently. I do a lot of texting with my children, and... I'm always making grammar's mistakes in the text. Spell check is something that is a lifesaver for me because I cannot spell worse than darn. So between the two, I have pretty bad communication problems. And I try to deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis, but it kind of makes me feel different than other people. Now, you might think that was enough, but I think some issues come from the family. And although I had a loving family, they had a tendency, all the males, to be somewhat bullying. Um, I had a brother who was a year older than me, one that was 11 years older. And my father. Also, I had a sister who was, who I think should be a saint. She is one of the nicest persons, if not the nicest person I ever met. But getting back to my brothers, I had one that was a year older, and he was perfect. I mean, he was the opposite of me. He could communicate. He was dynamic. People listened to him. No matter what he had to say, he was a leader. He played on the high school basketball team that won the New Jersey State Championship. And meanwhile, I was still trying to understand the world and how I fit in. Later on, when I went to work after I discovered that my memos were just terrible. I made a effort to proofread my memos like at least 10 times. And it was difficult. It, it was a lot of extra work. Luckily I worked smart. So I didn't fall behind, but it was very aggravating. And 
So both of those problems, ADHD and dyslexia, makes it very difficult to do, like I said before, to do the details. But I managed to get that done. Spite of, or maybe because of, my brother is a year older, and also my other brother and my father. It was a tough environment, um, and I was not prepared. I was not listened to. And when, when I did try to talk, they would cut me off. It was a very loud family <laughs> on all our gatherings. It was just everybody kind of speaking over each other. And I just kind of sat there and didn't really say anything. And I regret that, but I understand it now. And I don't blame my brothers. It was a environment where I guess we were competing for parents' love, and it made it very difficult, especially when my mother would tell me I was her favorite in front of my brother. <laughs> so, in spite of it all, my childhood was pretty, pretty good. I was pretty happy in my own little world, not knowing of the perfect storm that was coming. I had finished grammar school and was going to junior high in seventh grade. When my father decided He'd take a job in Alabama because it was more money and it was a manager's position. My mother agreed to go under one condition. After a year, we don't like it. We can move back. So we rented out our house for a year. So I was still 11. My brother was 12 and we had to go with him to Alabama, from New Jersey to Alabama. The culture shock was, <laughs> oh my God. And I'm not saying nothing bad about Alabama, but we just were not used to it. And we pretty much hated it for the year that we were there. But <laughs> to the day, my mother called after one year the truck to move us out, go back to the house that we had rented out. And that was it, the end of Alabama. But unfortunately, I developed OCD there. I guess because I was going through adolescence. I don't know, really know why I got the OCD, but it was pretty bad. Uh, I had all sorts of rituals and washing. Religious rituals where I had to do something or else something bad would happen. That's pretty much what OCD is. Uh, later on when I was working, uh, we used to watch this guy who take his car and park it far away from everybody and it had to be just right. Come in about six or seven times. Get out of the car, check all the tires, check the, the front, the back, everything. 
And uh, a couple times he would walk away and take about five, four or five steps and boom, he was back. He turned around, went back, checked everything again. It's it's not funny. It's a pretty bad problem for a lot of people. Um, I know there is some medicines that supposed to make it a little e easier and also there's therapy. I kind of control it myself even though it's strong sometimes. I think I do a pretty good job. One last thing I want to say about my family was back then uh, mental illness was really not talked about. Uh, my suspicion was that my father had bipolar. Now, especially now that I look back on it, and my mother was had extreme anxiety. So I think a large part of that I inherited. So there you have it. ADHD, uh, OCD, and dyslexia. And a family that didn't understand mental illness. So I had a lot of things against me, but I went to college. I learned computers. I was always good at math. And I got a job as an IT developer. Well, the work didn't agree with me. I, I do have a good side of my personality where I really am almost um, extroverted. So I was able to make friends at work, but the politics were unbelievable until the day I left. I just was glad I got to leave and retire and dedicate myself to this podcast. But it, that wasn't all of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't all of it. I got married. Yes, married. <laughs> My friends sat me down in the living room and they said, we have this blind date set up for you and you, you can't pussy out on us. I'm like, blind date? What? Are you crazy? I'm like, blind date? Well, after an hour, well, I wound up going on the date and it turned out to be my wife. We probably didn't have that much in common other than we were both insecure. I think we looked upon each other to make each other more secure. But I fell in love, and I don't know what she fell in, but it didn't last. Well, I mean, it lasted for 13 years. And then the dynamics changed because I was getting better and better in recovery. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But the last two really bad things I have to deal with is extreme anxiety and extreme major depression. Um, so one day 
I got a fun medicine, January 1, 1991. It's, it's good because all the side effects go away and you just feel really good for about two weeks. Then I was back to being depressed, kind of normal depression that just built up more and more and more. And finally, um, about nine, ten months after I quit all my medicine, it was November 24th, 1991. It was a Giants and the Jets. And I got a ticket from my friend and we went and I was going to start a new job the next day. I was a consultant, so I moved around a lot. And we went, and I just started feeling bad. I was so nervous. I was I, I was just nervous. And I was feeling terrible. Ter like nothing I ever felt before. And we made it to the game, and there was a dark cloud in the sky and in my mind and heart. There was something seriously wrong, and... I made it through the game, I got home, I told my wife, there's something really wrong. And then I said to my wife, I gotta do something, I have to go to the emergency room, because I feel so terrible. It's unbelievable how terrible I feel. And she was like, oh, come on, just snap out of it. There's nothing going on, there's no problem. I said, there is a problem. I, I I can't function like this any longer. And reluctantly, she took me, and we got stuck in the emergency room for five hours while they examined me and said, oh, nothing wrong. He's 100%. Well, I wasn't 100% because those five hours may have been the worst five hours of my life. It was terrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was god-awful. And, um, finally, they came in, they gave me a Valium. And I said, huh? <laughs> what, what am I going to do, like, tomorrow or whatever? And they didn't really care. And I had a psychiatrist, and I called her up and said, this is horrible. I mean, I can't. I mean, you, you got to give me something to help. She, she had me on one Prozac at the time. And I said, I need, I need help. I'm really bad. And she said to me in a very stern voice, you'll be fine. Just uh, relax and uh, I'll see you at our next appointment. Don't call here again. And that was great. My heart sunk because I had no help from my ex. And, well, she was my wife then. And I had no help from anybody. And I had kids. They were 10, 8, and 3. And I didn't know what to do. Um, so I called around and I called my counselor. My counselor told me to, you know, relax, watch a movie. As I went through the most excruciating anguish and pain that you want to 
ever want to imagine. Yeah, so September 24th, 1991, I finally just broke. I was broke. I was dysfunctional. So I laid in a fetal position and uh, my wife threatened to leave me. And I said, I don't care. Um, but I did care and I called my father and <clears throat> my father had no idea what depression is. He was, you know, tough guy. Tough it out. Well, I guess I wasn't as tough as he was cause, or else I had something worse because I couldn't take it anymore. And I went into this mental hospital. And again, like I said, it was good because they got me on a regimen of medicine that eventually worked. It really was the work of the psychiatrist after the hospital. Because in the hospital, the doctors were terrible, in, in my case. And I was just besides myself. I said, you got to give me something. I can't stand it. I don't know what's going on. Help me. And they gave me a Xanax. That's it. One Xanax. It took away at least a quarter of the depression and... The fact that I wasn't around my ex because she wasn't happy and it was just a new environment and I was able to sleep that night and they kept me on the Xanax and then put me on Prozac again, which didn't work. After about a week in the hospital, they would keep me on the Prozac. Uh, I released myself because... It was kind of a very strange place to be. And I was wanting to be home. And then um, I got very lucky. Uh, a friend recommended a psychiatrist. And back then there were counselor psychiatrists. Just psychiatrists. And he was a very nice man. Um, he said, look. I know your sister has this problem. We'll give you the same stuff that she has. So they gave me uh, a mipramine. And then after they, uh, no, after about two weeks, the mipramine uh, kind of made me feel really weird, very strange. They said, I can't take this anymore. So he changed me over to Norpermin. And that was fine. I was much better. I wasn't getting that fainting uh, when I got up, that fainting kind of feeling. And uh, I was getting better. Between the Xanax and the men, I was getting better. Because I don't even want to go into how bad it was. But I did at one point call my sister and she said, I went through the exact same thing. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I didn't know you were going through it. And I said, okay. And then she said that my older brother had it too. I called my sister every day, maybe every hour, and just told her I can't stand it. I can't stand it. 
I just want to like end my life. I can't take it. And she said, no, 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 the, the medicine will work. It takes a while. It takes a couple of weeks. Well, a month later, I got a lot better. So in March, I was probably 50% there. And by June of my, by my birthday in June, I was 95%. Actually felt maybe a little better than <laughs> so it was it was inherited mostly I would say ninety percent of it I mean everything's inherited really I don't know where I got the OCD from my father was a little bit OCD but I, I'm not sure and then Ivy I know exactly where I got that from my mother so. It was a combination, and it was becoming a real perfect storm. I eventually went to a group called CODA, Codependence Anonymous, and it was about 100 times better. One person would share, then the next person would share, then the next. But nobody interrupted each other. They didn't try to solve somebody's problem. Because the problem with groups that have crosstalk is that there's always one person that has the worst problem. And everybody else tries to help because we're great helpers. We can help everybody through their problem. I'm doing it now. But we can't solve our own problems. But I have. I have not solved them, but I've improved my life tenfold. I have happy days. I never had happy days. Never. I wake up happy. It's never happened since I had started this bad depression. Um, I mean, every year, even before 91, I used to get, like, in the fall, I would feel bad for six months, and not six months, or six weeks, and then it kind of go away. And I remember just being home sometimes, and I just, my, my wife was working, and I just, didn't know what to do. I was like crazed with, uh, I don't know, this feeling of uh, craziness. And and it was all part of what was leading up to the perfect storm. So, so the medicine basically saved me from a lot, a lot of anguish. Now, I don't, I know I pushed the medicine on the show. But I don't really want people to take medicine when they don't need it. But I also want them to realize that medicine works. You have to find the right one because the Prozac wasn't doing it for me. I had to go to eventually Paxil. And, you know, it's controlled now. Uh, and, and I'm allowed to be happy. And it's, it's terrific. I mean, I do this podcast. I'm retired. I don't really deal with too many people anymore because even though, you know, I'm 62, I still have ADHD and it's uh, still something that looks like snobbiness, laziness, uh, and I don't listen. 
which guilty, 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 but I am not lazy. I just have a disease. I have many diseases. So I probably talked enough. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to get back to how other people can help themselves. I know the demons are there all the time. And what they'll say to me is, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. And I stop the thought. I think of a red stop sign. And I stop the thought. And then I go to a more pleasant thought. And it works a lot. If it gets overwhelming, it, it probably doesn't work. But on a day-to-day -day basis, you can stop the thought. You can control it. And then go to a pleasant thought. There's no reason to keep thinking negative. It doesn't do you any good. Believe me, I know. So, also in the episode All as Well, which is, I think, one of my best episodes, Yuri K. I can't pronounce his name. Sorry, Yuri. Um, suggested something similar. He said... If you don't like a radio station, what do you do? Well, you switch to station. Well, that's the same thing with thoughts. When you get a thought that's bad, you just switch the station to another thought. Thoughts can't hurt you. Only you can hurt you. And if you have a physical condition like I did, medicine is one of the alternatives. I mean, I don't know what else would have helped me. I, I exercised a lot. I didn't eat the greatest, but I kept myself pretty good physical condition, and it still was there. And it's just a matter of trying different medications, and I think right now I'm in a good place. I feel like I'm in a good place. I hope I stay there. But I also want to try to help. Um, I know there's a lot of you out there with problems that are really bad, and I want to be here to help you because if I don't, then all my suffering is for nothing. Uh, I just don't know how to get the word out. So if you can help me with that, tell your friends and, you know, uh, retweet it or whatever you have to do. But this show is going to be about realistic help for mental illness. And hopefully it makes more people aware of what mental illness is. and. Season six is going to have a lot of good interviews of people who went through depression and came out the other side. And that's what everybody can do. I'm convinced of it. Everybody can do it. So don't give up. It's easy to give up. Don't give up. You're going to give up, write me first, uh, or 
you know, just go on Messenger. I'm on, I'm, I'm on Messenger. So just call me. Whatever, whatever you have to do, just because the problem is, if you do leave this world, you leave people that love you. They might not act like they love you, but it's pretty hard not to love your child. I'm sure people can do that, but I can't imagine it. There are good people. I know this is a crazy time period. 2020 was terrible. A lot of people got depressed. But it's it's going to get better. It's getting better already. We got the vaccine and hopefully we keep ahead of the variant and we'll be all right. Uh, 2021 is going to be a great season six and this time I'll wait a year for season seven <laughs> I've only been doing this 15 months but I screwed up the first five seasons they were good there were some good shows but these are going to all be good and I can't wait to start doing them so I don't want to keep you guys too long I just wanted to tell you about my background and how I got through it. Uh, I, I attended a group called Codependence Anonymous. It's a 12-step group. I recommend that to anybody that's addicted. Get into a 12-step. It works. You don't have to have a God. It's good to have a God. <laughs> you know, it's not required. You can work the steps without a God. Um, I'm sort of agnostic. Uh, but I have my own special God. <laughs> Just for me. All right. So I'm not going to give out all my information. It'll be on the description, my email, my Twitter, Facebook, and my Instagram. I hope you people enjoyed the dinosaur I made. If anybody looked at the web, maybe I'll keep that up for a while. <laughs> It'll be in it'll be in a post, but I just was having a lot of problems physically. Um, nothing too serious, but at sixty-two, everything just falls apart. All right, I think I covered everything about me and. I don't want, you know, the next show won't be all about me. <laughs> I hope I reached some people as far as relating to the things I have. And I am going to emphasize ADHD. Because to me, that's a killer. Because I am not stupid. And I wind up being the clown all the time. Oh, there's Bob the clown. Because I, I, you know, I just can't concentrate on what somebody's saying. It's not in my playbook. 
what can I tell you? I hope the show gets better and better and that we get the word out. There's a lot of people probably need medicine and are scared of it or maybe it's against their religion. I don't know. But it's not this terrible monster. It's something there to help. And my son, who is one of the strongest people I know, he was on his knees with uh, anguish. 33 was about the year. Uh, 33 years old is when we all got it. Thank, thank my other two children. I hope don't get it. But he got it and he said to me, I'm back in the game and I'm going to resolve it myself. And also my oldest, older brother, once he retired, he went off of drugs. I don't know if he went back on, but he went off. So it's possible to go off if you're feeling, uh, well, I, as they say, ask your doctor because Sometimes you're feeling good, and then you get off the medicine, you feel even better, and then about a month later, you crash. So be very careful of that. I know a lot of people, oh, yeah, I feel good now. Okay, no more medicine. No, I feel better. I don't have side effects. Boom. They wind up in the hospital. So be careful of that. Okay. Next week, we're going to have a very good show. Uh, for the next two weeks, I have two in the oven. And then we're going to have one each week. If, if I say healthy. <laughs> All right. It's a pleasure talking to you. And hang in there if you need to. And I wish I could talk to you more about, you know, each one, everybody's, you know, condition. I, like a true codependent, I like to help. So, if also, if somebody wants to appear on a show as a story of recovery, you can reach me at Over the Rainbow Bob, one word, at gmail.com, it's over the rainbow bob, one word, at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter feed is over the rain one bow. I said I wasn't going to do this, but if you guys really want to reach me. And then Instagram and Facebook, just do a search for OTR, Achieving Mental Health for Real, and I think you'll have... No problem finding it. Look for the dinosaur. I'm going to keep him out a little bit longer. Okay. It's been a great show. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you. And take care. I'll see you guys next time.